Hey, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the People of Packaging podcast. I'm your host with the Holy Ghost, the Packaging Pastor, Adam Peak. You can find me on TikTok at Packaging Pastor and also on LinkedIn, Adam Peak, P-E-E-K. Today's episode of the People of Packaging podcast is being brought to you by our friends at Specrite. They have this incredible sustainability report. Their vision is to live in a world without waste. They realize that's a really bold statement, but it is possible. So what Specrite does is they help customers make products and packaging the right way every time. See, people today, they want to be sustainable, but there can be a data gap between ambition and action. Specrite is there to help you bridge that gap and achieve your sustainability goals. To go see their state of sustainability report, you can go to specright.com. That is S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T.com backslash sustainability. Click the button, state of sustainability report, and get that thing downloaded. There's a ton of great resources there. And I had the privilege today to sit down with MJ Werlein, from Adept Packaging, and we talk all about sustainability. I got to meet her in person when I was in Seattle. We recorded this podcast over Zoom, so you do not want to miss it. Check out this latest episode with MJ. All right, everyone, I'm here with one of my favorite humans in the entire packaging world, uh, MJ Werlein, not pronounced Vierlein. Uh, like we were discussing earlier, both MJ and I uh, sprechen ein bisschen Deutsch, and we joked we we joked that we would try to see how far we could get speaking German, uh, but that it would quickly devolve into random phrases that we remember from our German very long ago. So that's yeah. that's not. I did have a guy Julian from Intercero on, who's in Germany. And we actually talked about David Hasselhoff and why they love David Hasselhoff so much over there. It was why great. do they love David Hasselhoff? It had something to do. I actually, sorry, Julian, I haven't watched the video, but he sent me a YouTube video to watch. It has something to do with the Berlin Wall falling. Oh, like David okay. Hasselhoff that's had a connection to that. So, anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. MJ and I are going to talk about what else but packaging because that's yeah. why this thing exists is for us do. to talk about packaging. MJ, you have a really fun, uh, interesting background. You're currently, what's your role at Adept currently right now, today, this moment? So currently at Adept Packaging, I am the Senior Sustainability Manager, and I'm responsible for all of the LCAs and their liaison for sustainable packaging and giving them sustainable packaging ideas and evaluating the sustainability of packaging and you know making recommendations that just make sense for packaging cool and adept uh, without getting too far into it but you all work with a with a wide variety of companies um i've i've spoken with hasana before and Mm -hmm. learned a little bit about adept but but you work with i mean life sciences and cannabis and CPG companies and all sorts of different people, right? Yeah. So Adept is almost like a collaborative of packaging engineers. That's what I love about working with them because it's it's a lot of like-minded people like myself and we're all package engineers and we all have great ideas that we can bounce off each other. And we come from different sectors and different industries and businesses and have worked in several that we can just 
ask each other. Uh, for instance, today I got asked about my if I have specialty knowledge in cosmetic packaging, which I do not. I'll you know gladly say that, but um, because it's a it's a more difficult space, and quite frankly, a lot of packaging for cosmetics is very unique, and it's very fun and very not sustainable. But that's what makes it very classic and fun. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, there are, there are a ton of people right now that are working towards greater sustainability in cosmetics for sure. But you're right. Yeah. It is. I, I did a whole on-site podcast at Dermalogica and what great a lot brand. of, it's a great brand, right? And, and they are one of the few brands that are out there that maybe not few, but they're a brand that's out there saying, we don't really just want to talk about this. We really want to do something about it. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and they are, I use one of their microfoliant products and they have refills for that. And that's really great. So you don't have to buy the plastic container every time you can buy a, a bag to refill it. And that just, you know, it's less plastics, less packaging, less waste. Yep. Yeah. That was actually one of the things that we talked about on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great, it's a great thing. Um, and, and so what, if your background is not in cosmetics packaging, which means that there is a myriad of other things that your background could be in because packaging literally touches every single industry uh, at, at all times. My friend, uh, Dr. Andrew Hurley has been doing some videos about that on LinkedIn. So what of these, this cornucopia of industry did you sort of cut your teeth on in packaging? So I went to Michigan State University. Go Ghost party. Yeah, ghost party. And then I worked at 3M in their electrical products and telecommunications division in Austin, Texas, hmm. which was really interesting. A lot of brown box stuff, but a few things that did actually hit the shelves and are still there today. Uh, wire connectors, tape, those types of things that people see from 3M. And then I went to work at Microsoft for a good chunk of time and worked on gaming devices and keyboards, mice, Xbox, games, you name it, just everything to do with electronics on that side. And then moved to food and beverage, which was a very interesting shift from consumer yeah. electronics to food and beverage. And I was so thankful at the, the manager at the time that took confidence in me to say, hey, you can learn this industry and move me over. So I worked at Starbucks for a great period of time and did that's where I, I learned a lot about various materials. Um, I created my own department in the R&D space in the packaging group. And we even did the cup and the lid that exists today. So we do all food packaging, bakery, sauces, syrups, everything that, that Starbucks does. From there, I worked in corrugate and specialty boxes with Premier Packaging out of Kentucky. I worked for about a year at Living Proof, which is the personal care industry, but not really cosmetics. Okay. And now I'm at Adept and bringing all my knowledge around sustainability and packaging to that company and getting to work on a lot of various projects that are just super cool. Yeah. And that, you know, you, like that journey to me is so indicative of where a lot of packaging professionals find themselves. And I think what makes our industry so incredible. I was explaining it to a friend of mine today yeah. that it's, I mean, yes, you have to learn about different formats of packaging 
in, in, you know, to your point about cosmetic, but if you were just thrown into a cosmetics company, you could figure it out. You know what I mean? You, yeah. you went from 3M to Microsoft to Starbucks to, you know, over to a manufacturer, and then you go to living proof. And now it's like, you can take all of that and go, there are some common threads that are woven in through all of that, right? There's engineering processes, there's common materials, but then how they're used is going to look different uh, and the reason that they're being used. So I'm, I'm sure that you're pulling and leaning on that experience almost on a daily basis. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting and fun. Uh, you know, I, I have contacts from long ago at Microsoft that I'm still in contact with that helped me out. I just contacted some of them over in China to say, hey, I'm in need of looking for a specific packaging material over there. Can you help me find it? Mm. And so having the network of people, the network of experience, the network of knowledge and, and the support of all the other packaging engineers that you've worked with throughout your career is just, it's amazing. Yeah, uh, I'm working on a project with Adept even where one of the um, suppliers that are going to do samples for us is Premier Packaging. So it's almost full, you know, things come full circle. For sure. Do you ever find, um, and I don't know that I've ever actually asked this question. I've had quite a few Michigan State grads, but um, let me, I'll take a quick step back. Like I went to Colorado State. I did not study packaging. Um, I studied business management. I loved my time there. I loved CSU. I was just in Fort Collins yesterday on at the end of this road trip and went to the bookstore and took some of my kids there and bought some tea. Like I love CSU, but there's not, it's not packaging. And I wouldn't say there's a whole lot of people that I'm like, I'm relying on this alumni network to go and ask questions or to understand things. I know a lot of folks have that. I just never did. Do you or do other Michigan State grads have that? Is there like an, an alumni network of packaging engineers or is it mostly like, oh, you went to Michigan State and then you have a common connection point? Yeah, there is. I mean, the School of Packaging has its own alumni association. So I, do, I don't look back too often as to looking for information from there. And most recently, I, I've talked to a professor there and they're so busy teaching the students what they know and the curriculum that sometimes I notice that they're not even keeping up with the latest trends and news because mm. they're too busy. And so it's, I think that's a really difficult balancing act for them to be able to be on the forefront of everything and yet be ingrained in a specific curriculum that needs to be taught. Got it. Got it. You know, because okay. there are basics and we all have to learn those and we all have to go through that and, and learn the formulas and learn the things we want to do. And what's interesting to me throughout the years is, is seeing how people maybe go into a specific industry like films or corrugate and they stay there forever. And yeah. They become their, a master and a subject matter expert at that. And, yep. and, and doing what I did was very, I, I'm dangerous enough dangerous enough to be, you know, to be in every area yeah. and touch on that and, and give some feedback and information. Yeah. But you can't like, I mean, I know people, I've worked in the label business for a while and there are people, I'm not one of these people, but there are people who can take a, a label off of a liner and smell it and be like, this is hot melt. It's like, whoa. <laughs> oh no, no, no. I don't, 
I don't, like, know, I don't know that about hardly anything. And I mean, people who can just like feel a a folding carton and say, this is 20 point. I'm like, I need a micrometer. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I that's a Velio. <laughs> that is a Velio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a Velio. That is not me at all. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about corrugated boxes like Corey does, but I can look at, uh, I can look at a BMC. I can yeah, <laughs> figure out right? if it's 32 ECT or whatever it is, but. Well, and then they'll look at it and they'll know the liner board, the medium, they'll know everything about it. And, and for a lot of people, that's not intuitive to just go, how do you know that? I know. I know it's, it's wild. Well, you mentioned these, these professors not really staying always having time to kind of stay up to date on latest trends and packaging sustainability and i'm guessing that in your current role you even find a lot of brands that that aren't staying up or aren't able to especially when we look at we had covid and then it was now we've got supply chain we've got inflation we've got problems with staffing and transportation and all sorts of stuff right so are are you seeing more and more that people are struggling to stay on top of sustainability trends within the areas that you are interacting with? I, I think it's difficult from every area. I you know, we we are hearing about supply chain issues all over the world. And so I, I think it's difficult for everyone at this point in time to be keeping up with with these challenges mm -hmm. and, and especially unless you're working with a company that can guarantee a supply it, it's really challenging to go let's move into a new material if, if they really can't guarantee that supply yeah and the other thing i think that's going to make a shift too is the companies doing some business overseas or buying packaging overseas the freight our, our transportation, so the lag in the supply chain, but the cost of freight has gone exponentially through the roof. Mm. This is impacting everyone. So no matter whether they're shipping their goods or shipping packaging or trying to buy packaging, it's it's a big mess right now. Yeah. And we, you know, I was looking at a supplier for something and immediately they, they were in Europe and we we sort of disqualified them just because the sustainability of that supply chain isn't really going to speak to the story of moving to a sustainable material. Yeah. Well, that's you know, such so a great, that's such a great point, MJ, the a sustainable material that cannot be sustainably manufactured, meaning like there, there is a perpetuity and an annuity to packaging where it's like, great. If you can get me a trial, awesome. You can get us launched. Can you make 40 million of these year over year and have growth. It's like, oh gosh, <laughs> there's nothing sustainable about that. Cause then you just got to switch back to whatever it was they were using. Right. And they, they may not be able to guarantee their supply chain. You know, right now it's so uncertain. Things are just really, really uncertain. You, it's difficult for a company to take on an extra say risk of a distant supply chain, you know, so whether your material is coming from Europe or Asia to pack in the U.S. or in or in Mexico or Canada, that's that's a big piece of the sustainability. And mm. what I found in doing some LCAs, life cycle analysis and assessments, is is that sometimes you can switch to a new material and have a really positive outlook on what your packaging would would look like. But then when you add the transportation piece, it brings that sustainability measure down in a big way, and and we're just all losing out then. Yep. 
yeah, it's going to cost more. It's going to be worse for the environment. It's going to have negative impacts. It's like, okay, well then what are, and, and then maybe, so maybe it has a slightly better end of life, but the front end of the manufacturing and the transportation just can't make up for it. Yeah. And so we're looking at all of that. And when I brought this up to the company, they, I mean, immediately they're like, that's a really good point. We don't want to work with that supplier on, you know, no offense, but just because it's a long journey to get the materials to the U.S. And because mm -hmm. they're in Europe and the things going on in the world today, you know, there's, we're all uncertain about what kind of resources we're going to have over there. Yep. And, and they're looking over here for some resources as well, I've heard. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, there, there's a whole bunch there. Uh, one, thing that, one thing that you had mentioned to me before the call that I think is interesting is while you have this opportunity to work with brands and both of us do in our full-time jobs, right? Where yeah. we get to work with, with brands on, uh, on sustainable packaging and coming up with strategy around that. You were excited. You, you mentioned that individuals are also doing some pretty powerful things that kind of stop that they're not waiting for people to do it. So explain what you meant by that in terms of municipalities and individuals who are just like, you know what, it's time. We, we got to do yeah. something. We, we can't keep waiting. Yeah. I think what's really taking a trend lately is people are taking it upon themselves to start. And, and I think a lot of maybe the PPP money, the, the money from the government, whatever they're getting money to help them do, they're starting their own businesses on sustainability or recyclability. I keep saying over and over again, we need some sort of federal infrastructure for recycling because this state by state thing becomes very confusing. It's not consistent. So as an example, I think what's happening is some states don't take glass. Mm -mm. There's a girl down in um, Louisiana I think her, her TikTok name's EcoFran, and she she's collecting glass. She started a glass manufacturing, not manufacturing, a glass collection. So she takes, you know, used glass and she's processing it into sand and processing it, processing it into sand for waterways to stop flooding and to help save some of the waterways down in Louisiana, Pontchartrain, and down in those areas. And I think that that's amazing. Uh, there's a local community where I'm living that are collecting glass. Some of it, again, they make into sand. Some of it, they're, you know, they're grinding down into nice rocks for people to create art with. So I think people are just taking it upon themselves to start collecting things um, and getting them to the right place to be reused, repurposed, a good end of life type mm. of situation. Another example, which I thought was also amazing, was when I was living in Boston, there was a company that this guy created to take five-gallon buckets to people, and every week he picked them up, and they would be all compostable food, food scraps, and he would take them to a farm, and the farms would compost them, but he did the service of dropping off the buckets and picking them up. Yeah. And yeah, there's... And he was amazing. There's a, by the way, here's, here's EcoFran on, oh, can we, can we see her on the phone? No, thing? we can't, but oh, she. Oh, the light is not working. Oh, maybe. I know, she's got beautiful pink and blue hair. Yeah. 
my favorite thing about her is on her profile, it says founder at Glass Half Full NOLA, which is New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, recycling glass into sand, forklift certified. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, there's another guy here actually in Utah, as you're kind of talking about that, uh, his name is Ryan Smith and he founded a company called Recyclops. Same thing. He was finding that some more rural communities, they didn't have access to recycling. And so he employs almost an Uber driver style that people can pay for this service and a person in their community will drive around with their pickup truck and they get paid. And they pick up all this and they 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 put it into a collection area and they send it off. Um, Andrew Almack, who was just on my podcast, has plastics for change in India. And he found there was an inequality on the bottom part of the recycling chain. And so he wanted to pay fair trade wages to people collecting plastic in India. It's awesome stuff. Yeah. Because uh, they, mine, they mine trash over there, which we don't even understand. Yet. we're gonna get there we're gonna get there i think but uh, yeah we might have to you know i totally agree um so yeah that that's exciting i love these stories of individuals and this is sort of the beautiful part about our society today is with the proliferation of like you mentioned tiktok or twitter or linkedin or whatever it is you can start to be, you can be an individual who can make a larger impact socially just through sharing what you're doing online. I think it's, it's wonderful. And I'm glad that you brought up uh, EcoFran. Her videos are, I think you actually shared her videos with me. And I was like, oh, I, I may have, cause she, she just seems really awesome. And it was yeah. the first I've seen of like someone, a young person, like really taking this on getting a warehouse, getting a grinder. I mean, you know, she's doing some hard work and they fill the sandbags and take them to the location, the wetlands locations and help put them in. So it's not even just selling the sand. She's doing the hard labor too. That's I mean, so cool. Yeah. And and it's just a big shout out to people that that do that and find ways to be entrepreneurial and sustainable you know, and environmentally sustainable as much as possible and, and doing something about it. Yep. You know, and making a difference. What and about, of- um, is it Blue Ocean, the guy who created the biodegradable shoe? Oh, I don't know. I should know about like that. that. I got a whole bunch of sneaker boxes behind me. I should know oh, about yeah. that. <laughs> you, you should look him up. He li- it's the first biodegradable shoe. Interesting. And- yeah, and I'm not really certain the whole, I think it's got a life of a regular shoe, but you can put it in compost and it will disintegrate. That sounds like it would be a fun, I have a, uh, I have a, a Lumi uh, at home industrial composter <laughs> that I, I, I really enjoy. Let's see, Blue Ocean Shoes? I think it's called Blue Ocean. Let's see. I just saw a post from him. I might have to forward it to you. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking. Yeah, send it over to me. I'm just getting a whole bunch of blue sneakers. Uh, but I would, I would, that'd be great. I would love to. I would love to check it out. Uh, yeah. MJ, here's here's the problem, is that you and I could talk about packaging for hours. Oh yeah. Uh, but these these podcasts are uh, are are not meant to be multiple hours of us just nerding out about packaging. At least not yet. Maybe someday. People will want us to do that, but we are uh, up here at the end of our time together, All shockingly. Right. 
Um, so, uh, and uh, what's uh, who? Oh, and is that sorry? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, bitte. Yeah. Uh, nicht gut. Uh, so, <laughs> our, so just like our German, uh, our, this the, this time has ended, and <laughs> we're coming over yeah, to the das end. Das ist nicht so gut. <laughs> das ist nicht sehr gut. Uh, we are uh, uh, the ur ist s s ur ist uh, auf Wiedersehen ur. Uh, <laughs> that did not work at all. Uh, apologies to the German people who might be listening to this. But um, uh, I want to know, MJ. Like you are, you're super active. You're on um, on LinkedIn. You are you you're in our um, myself and Corey Novelio. We we have a. Uh, we've got a, a, a weekly news show that you show up and pop into and share awesome insights. We've got a Wednesday uh, audio room where we talk about sustainable packaging that you come in and drop knowledge on. Uh, so is, is LinkedIn maybe the best way for people to connect up with you? Yeah, I would say that would be the, the best way right now. And right now, a lot of my posts are focusing on regulations. Um, and the reason being is that not a lot of people are covering that right now. So just mm -hmm. kind of bringing to the forefront some upcoming regulations around plastics and paper and composting and recycling, just because it people need to start getting ready because these regulations are going to come quick and fast and they just need to be prepared. Yep. Regulate, government regulations are boring until... <laughs> You yeah. have to quickly pivot in three months because you've ignored them for the last 15 months and you forgot about them. And it's like, oh, no, and then we it's have just to one change state, our labels. Right. It's one state. You're going just for one state. I have to do this. What? Oh, man. Yeah. Come on, California. That's what I hear a lot. Right. But it's like, sorry, that's if you want to sell there. Right. You got it. You got to make the adjustments. So, yeah. And that's why if we had sort of a national sort of push then we could all be doing the same thing, the right thing. And possibly it might even cost, the cost might come down and be more efficient because we're all buying the same material and trying to get there. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Uh, well, everyone find MJ. I'll make sure to put your uh, your LinkedIn link in the show notes here. Uh, the, the stuff you post is great. Your background is awesome. I'm glad to call you a fellow packaging nerd and a friend. And uh, we got to meet in person. That was super great uh, in Seattle. Amazing. And that was that wonderful. Was Hopefully again soon. I really enjoyed my time in Seattle. It's such a, such a lovely part of the country up there in the Pacific Northwest, especially in the summertime. And, you know, I need, I need to get back there and, and try some of the wine because that's all I heard about was how great the wine is there. And Well, and that would be out, out near my area versus where we were. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, MJ, thanks so much for, for coming on the show. Hopefully we can have you back again. Because like I said, I know I know we could just keep on rolling through various different subjects. I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, thanks again. Tschüss, bis später. And uh, I hope you have a great day. Auf Wiedersehen. Hey, that wraps up another edition of the People of Packaging podcast. It would mean so much if you would like and share rate, review, subscribe, because we want to change the world because we believe that packaging is awesome. <laughs>